Amen. Thanks, Brenna, Dylan, and the worship team. Hey, if you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to Jude. Uh, it's a small book in the back. If it's your first Sunday in a while, just go to Revelation, make a left, uh, and we'll be uh, there at the last two verses. We're wrapping up a series today uh, called Faith That Lasts. We're really asking this one uh, big question of how do we have a faith that stands the test of time? Uh, but before we get into the word, as you're turning there, I'm gonna, I would love to take a few moments to pray for one of our strategic partners. Um, there is an entity that we partner with called the IMB or the International Mission Board, and today is uh, Hispanic Missions Sunday, uh, and they're kind of focusing all their prayer efforts this week and, and just kind of information all about Hispanic missions. Uh, we say this uh, website a lot, JC Sign Up, but if you go to jcsignup.com, uh, they're at the top block of that. Is uh, it says the IMB resource guide for Hispanic missions, and you can read a lot about um, different efforts that we're doing. Uh, the IMB is doing all over the globe uh, with Hispanic-speaking uh, communities all over the world. Uh, but we want to pray specifically for our strategic partner, Love Beyond Borders, this morning, uh, as as they are uh, specifically located in the country of Guatemala with uh, partnerships with. Uh, pastors in villages, uh, resourcing and, and trips with church planning uh, all in that community, which is a, a heavily Catholic community, uh, but all uh, throughout these different villages. I actually had the opportunity to go on one of these trips while I was in college, and we're talking with their director right now what it looked like to do a journey trip uh, next year. So if you would, uh, if you want to spend time in prayer this week for uh, Hispanic missions across the globe, you can go to that, and there's prayer prompts on the website. Uh, but I want to spend some time praying right now for uh, Stephen Fulton and Love Beyond uh, Borders Ministries, if you would join me. Father God, thank you so much uh, just for church planning efforts uh, to share the gospel and uh, to continue uh, the movement as you, as the Father has sent the Son and the Son sent the Spirit to us as we continue uh, just in that sending mindset of, of being about uh, those are yet to be reached, God, and those who are yet to hear about the good news of Jesus. God, I pray for uh, Stephen Fulton and all the pastors like Pastor Mateo in Guatemala and, and Salomon Guatemala and God, all of the villages that they're seeking to reach and plant churches in, uh, God, in this, all their efforts, God, I pray that you would keep them and bless them, raise up church planners and missionaries uh, to reach all peoples. But specifically, God, we're praying uh, for Hispanic speaking uh, people uh, this morning, God, that you would just do a work uh, in different countries and regions across the globe uh, to reach those that are not yet reached, to uh, tell them about the good news of Jesus, that they are made in the image of God for a right relationship with their Savior. And we're thankful that you uh, sent someone to us, God, and may you stir someone's heart uh, in this room to, to, to be about going and, and, and going to a, a group that's not yet reached, God. And, and we are grateful uh, that you call us your kids in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, well, you can learn more about uh, Love Beyond Borders uh, Ministries or uh, others on our website of Journey Jonesboro, but let's get in the word this morning. Jude 24 and 25. Let me, let's read it again uh, if you've forgotten. It says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before his presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forevermore. Uh, 
Rena and I are the godparents to two amazing kids uh, named Koi and Journey. And when we first got married, uh, only Koi was existent in the world. And uh, there were different seasons that we would go and, and pick up Koi from preschool and, and take him to our house when we lived in Jonesville the first round. Uh, and uh, we would uh, spend some time with him and he would just get uh, spoilt by his godparents, uh, Uncle Daniel and Aunt Rena is what she called us. And there was just one specific time that I, I went and picked him up early from preschool because he got to leave early like a cool kid. And, and I went and picked him up and, and Rena was still working. We were driving back into Jonesboro and I was like, Coy, what do you want to do? Anything's on the table. Anything's game. And he said, I want to go to the castle. And what she's talking about is that Craig had, he wants to go to the, the castle playground. So we, we head to the castle and we're playing there for a while and he gets super excited and he, he's doing all these things, but he looks across and you know, uh, if you know much about Craig Head, across the, the, the large pond that they call a lake. And so uh, the large pond, you see the fort across and he's like, I want to go to that one next. And I was like, all right, buddy, let's get in the truck and let's drive. He's like, no, I want to go on an adventure. And he wants to walk all the way around, uh, you know, the mile trek around. And, and so we're like, okay, buddy, let's do it. It's not that hot of a day. And so we start walking down this trail and he's like, let's go on our own path. And so he's a little four-year-old at this time and he's like, let's go on our own path. So he wants to walk in the woods where there's not a carved path and he wants to do his own thing. And I'm like, okay, buddy, let's do it. So we're like walking over fallen trees and uh, avoiding uh, bushes and briars and all these different things. And, and he starts to start running. And I was like, hey, buddy, slow down, don't, don't, don't fall. And all of a sudden, boom, he trips and he falls. And I go up to him, I brush him off. I'm like, all right, you gotta slow down a little bit. Do you mean hold back? He's like, no, I got it, I got it, I got it. He takes off again and three more steps. He takes running. He falls down again. I'm like, all right, buddy. Like we brush him off again. And he goes, all right, I got an idea. How about I hold your hand, but I don't want you to hold my hand. Okay. All right. So, so I open my hand up and we got, he's got his little hand wrapped around a few of my fingers and we, we take off again. He wants to run. So we start running and, and here we go. And Sure enough, a few steps later, we try to jump over a log and his little legs can't make it and he trips and he falls. And I just let him do it. And you're thinking, you're heartless. And I was like, I'm just obeying his wishes, all right? And I look down at him and he looks up at me and he goes, all right, Uncle Daniel, how about you hold my hand? And this morning, as we look at this last section of Jude, if you feel anything like me as a follower of Jesus, you probably think no matter how old or how long you've been following Jesus, there are moments in my life where I wish somebody was still holding my hand. I don't know how to navigate certain situations in my life. I don't know how to get, navigate certain situations culturally. I, I just don't know how to do this thing. And the reality for us is we read the book of Jude and we've spent five weeks now, this is the fifth and final week of looking through it and Jude, his thesis statement, he says, contend for the faith. Once for all delivered to the saints, like a locker room speech, getting ready to run out and, and play a game of football and you get super excited like I do and you're, you're in the scriptures, you're like, yes, contend, fight, put forth effort. But if you're anything like me, it doesn't take long from getting your eyes from the word and into the world where you get disheartened quickly. Because I, I, I'm excited, I'm, I'm encouraged, I wanna get, I wanna contend, I wanna do. But I look out and I see the, the evil and the heartbreak and the hurt in our world and it's like, I don't know if I can do this. I, I don't know if I can 
contend the way that I'm supposed to. I, I don't think I can do this on my own. And if, I don't know if you like personality tests or not, but I'm an Enneagram one, and so I'm hypercritical of literally everything and uh, just, you know, sharing my baggage. But, uh, but I'm most hypercritical of myself. So when I look from the word to the world, it doesn't take long for the eyes to get back on myself and say, if I can't push back the darkness out there, and I can't even push down the darkness in here. How in the world am I supposed to be the victor in this? So the question this morning is, who is on guard of you? If you desire to have a faith that lasts, that lasts the test of time, and you can't even defend the darkness or defeat the darkness inside your own hearts, how in the world are we supposed to push back the darkness out there? Good news from the jump. God is the one holding your hand. God is the one that's going to not only rescue you from the fire, rescue you from evil of your own doing, but he's also the one that says now to him who is able to keep you. But how in the world is he going to do that? How in the world is he going to keep us? That the God who's powerful enough to save us, he's also the one powerful enough to keep us. Let's look at the text together, Jude 24. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. What's beautiful about this, this phraseology in the New Testament, now to him, there's three now to hims in the New Testament. In Romans, Paul says, now to him who is able to strengthen you. In Ephesians, Paul says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. And then Jude picks up on this one time, the third and final time this phrasing is used, now to him. He's directing our attention to God and God alone. He's directing our attention off of ourselves, off of our situation, off of culture. He's directing our attention off of every other thing with a question looming in our mind. With Jude, the question looming like, how are you going to fight for the faith when there's all these opponents in every direction coming against the true faith coming against what it genuinely means to be a follower of Jesus how in the world are you going to stand against that because you're like a little toddler running through the woods just tripping every single moment and Jude says now to him who's able to keep you but he says the phrasing keep you from stumbling from stumbling, that the action at which God guards us is he guards us to the end. If you're a follower of Jesus, God is on guard until the very end. And God will finish the work that he started within you, the work of salvation. God is going to see that all the way to completion, that your salvation is secured in God when, he, when you truly surrender your life to him, when you make him leader of your life and forgiver of your sins. That we already know that we're aware of the faults that's in our hearts. We're aware of the faults that still exist in us. But what's amazing about this phrasing that he's able to keep you from stumbling is this word is a, like a mountain climbing word. Think of like a Discovery Channel or National Geographic where you're watching this mountain goat like on the side of this mountain who's just sure-footed like climbing this mountain of this dangerous cliff. And the word from stumbling that's used literally means to stumble unto your death. 
It means to fall off the side of a mountain to never be seen again. Think free solo, like there's a crazy percentage of free mountain climbers that don't make it past the age of 40, you know, because they're a little unstable with no ropes and all that stuff. But anyways, the word from stumbling literally means to be, to be kept from an, an end, from the end in itself. And the phrase that Jude uses is this word picture that he desires to be in your mind of climbing this mountain to be sure-footed. It's not to say that you'll never sin again, but it's to say that true followers of Christ will not be lost. That they will be kept. They may, they may scrape their knee, but they won't stumble to a fall to be lost forever. And the reality for all of us is if we think about stumbling, the stumbling in our own lives and in our own hearts isn't this one big sin that this one compromise that we made this one time that just ruined our life forever. The stumbling that, that should be fearful in our own hearts is a lot of small choices and small compromises that lead us down a path that when we look up one day, we turn around and say, how in the world did I get here? Because it wasn't this one big choice that we decided to ruin our lives forever, this one big sin, but it's these small compromises that we choose to take that is getting our eyes off of Christ, getting our eyes off of what it means to actually genuinely following Jesus. But the life of an authentic Jesus follower looks like trusting him not only at the beginning of the relationship, but at every step along the way. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling. The first thing you need to know is that God is able to actually do the thing he promised to do. But the question is, is how is he actually going to do it? Let's look at the next part of the phrase of verse 24. From stumbling and to present you blameless before his presence of his glory with great joy. That God is going to guard us until we are faultless. Like how in the world is this actually going to happen? Like this is the most perplexing part of this verse in general. That we're going to be faultless? Does God really know the, me and the, who he's talking about here in this regard? Faultless. This word literally means to be without any fault. You guessed it faultless, no faults. Like, I don't know about you, but when I look in the mirror, I see several faults. But the reality of what it means to be in Christ and to trust him as leader and forgiver and for him to purify all of us is that when he sets his eyes on us, he no longer sees our sin, but sees his child. And it's not that he's looking past our sin or over it like he is not just in his judgment but rather that all of God's justice has already been poured out on his son in place of me for my sins and the reality is is that his Holy Spirit is continuing to work in us to purify us renew our minds re renew our actions in every part of us to cleanse us one thought leader on this verse, Charles Spurgeon, says it like this. He says, God will make us without fault in this way. First, God will wash us of sin until there is not a spot of sin left. 
For the master of sin will before be as white as one of God's purest of God's angels. The eye of God's justice will look and God will say, no spot of sin remains in you. This is what other writers of scripture call for our lives to be hidden in Christ. Our new primary identity that every part of our being is being wrapped up in Jesus. And while we're still here on this earth, it's learning to live as such. It's learning to walk out our new calling as you've been called, loved, and kept. It's learning to figure out, okay, what does it mean to be now in Christ, not trust in my own works, to not trust in my own flesh, to not just take things back into my own control? What does it mean to be a genuine follower of Jesus? But the reality for many of us to hear the truths at church that all of my mistakes, all of my sins, past, present, and future, they're settled in Jesus' name. It's like, mm, sounds too good to be true. That we still have doubts about some of that. That we still have some doubts about like, but, but really? Like, I'm really messed up. How does this all work? And I really think that there's three possible broad categories for us having doubts about reading a passage that's so hopeful in this way. The first reason that you may have a doubt is you may doubt who actually does the saving. Because for many of us, it's, we, we know the right answer. It's like, God, well, God, God does the saving in me. He, he, he freely gives me Jesus and I freely give him my sin. And, but if the reality is, as many of us have these works-based undertones in all of our lives. That we say the right thing, we know the right thing, but deep down in the deepest part of our hearts, we still have this works-based mentality that you're like, yeah, but if I, if I just do these right things and check these right boxes, that God will love me a little bit more. That if I, if I do the right things, if I tend enough, if I go to the right events, if I, if I do all these things correctly, God will love me a little bit more and, and, he'll, and he'll really save me. I really feel saved in this regard. But the reality is, is many of us don't understand that God and God alone is the one who does the saving. We, we could never work our way out or work our way up to him. We are filled and, and filled with sin and God in his love chose to sin Christ. In his love chose to uh, make us alive in him. And God is on guard of us to the very end because of that same love and mercy that he chose to make us alive. It wasn't you or I that woke ourselves up in our deadness of our sin. God breathed life onto us. In our spiritual deadness, he made us alive again. Get the first thing correct. You and I, we did not and cannot save ourselves. But maybe for you, you know who who does the saving, but maybe you have a doubt in God's character to actually keep his word. Maybe you have a doubt of God's faithfulness to actually keep his word. The first part of that word faithfulness is, is faith. In, in church, we talk a lot about having big faith, and that's actually not in line with how Christ talks about and Jesus even instructs his followers 
You see, it's not about us having the right amount of faith. It's about taking the faith we have and placing it in the correct thing. Remember in one of the parables of Christ, Jesus says that it takes the faith of a mustard seed to move a mountain. But it's faith placed in the right thing when it's placed in the right context is the thing that actually matters. And the reality for all of us is we may have a doubt in God's faithfulness to actually keep his word is because our faith is not actually in him in the first place. That we said the right things, we prayed the right prayer, but we didn't actually place it in him. The thing that I wanna direct you towards is place your faith in God because he will always keep his word from the beginning to the end. The, the scriptures are filled with these accounts of God always following through and keeping his promises. God's promise says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive them and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. God will keep his word. But the reality for some of us, maybe it's not a doubt of who does the saving. Maybe it's not even a doubt in God's word, but some of us have these doubts in our life about being kept by Christ because there's present and willful sin in your life right now. Let me, allow me to bring some clarity about what I mean by this. We're, we're all sinners. We're all, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are saved by his grace and his grace alone. But sin does one of two things in our lives. One Christian writer said, sin will either convict us or callous us. And when we have present and willful sin in our lives, it will numb or callous us to the leading and prompting of the Holy Spirit, which may lead you to have doubts in your life about God's goodness, about his word, about his faithfulness, because there's literal willful sin happening in your life. And what we need to be is broken and convicted over this sin and, and bring it to the light to experience some of the goodness of God's grace. This isn't about a guilt trip or about us feeling burden-filled. The reality for this is to remember the, the truths that Jude has already said that we, as followers of Christ, are called, are loved, and are kept by him. Jude in the opening verse says that we are kept for Christ. We are loved in God the Father and we are called or we are beckoned to him. God in all his loving mercy continues to walk alongside and walk with us in every season of life. And for Jude, the truth that is, could be burden-filled, it's actually grace-filled. Because for Christ and Christ alone to do the saving in our lives, these truths couldn't be more true that if it wasn't true or if it could be lost, then your salvation wouldn't be eternal. If you could lose it, it wouldn't be everlasting. If you could work your way out of it somehow, ultimately it would be dependent on you and not on God. If I could lose my confidence in my Savior, my comfort, or all of my hope be pulled out like a rug from under beneath me and be suspended in uncertainty for my final destiny, then my salvation in Christ is not eternal. But thanks be to God that all those things are not true, but rather he is the one who does the saving. He will keep his word and may his Holy Spirit continually guide and direct our lives.
Because you, follower of Jesus, are called by Christ. You are loved in God the Father. And you are kept for him and by him. It's not dependent upon you, but the response from you is to live in worship towards him. And this is living in a way that honors and respects and obeys the one who deserves it. And Jude ends his letter like this, to the only God, our savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now, and forevermore. Know this, the one that your life is living towards that deserves all worship, that deserves everything in your life, every breath in your lungs placed there by him, that deserves that wherever your occupation is, whatever your calling is, whatever you do with your life deserves to be done in worship with him. He is the only God. He is the one who saved you. He is master. He has all glory or weight are held to his name. Majesty or greatness belongs to him. Dominion or might are at his fingertips. And when does he possess it? For all eternity in both directions. And in the kindness of God, he allows us humans the capacity to love as he has loved us, but he's modeled it on our behalf. And the scary thing is that maybe for us is that that love doesn't leave us to sit still. It actually moves us in a direction. It moves us towards him and it moves us towards others. Remember, he calls us beloved four times in this one short little letter. Beloved, beloved, beloved. But he also calls us, earlier last week we talked about, to keep ourselves in the love of God. It doesn't, this should not lead us to passivity. This verse of that, that Jesus and Jesus alone is the one keeping us for all eternity should not be like, oh, then it doesn't matter how I live then. No, that's actually the polar opposite of this. That it should lead us, the only right response is to worship to him to live our lives in reverence and to live our lives with joy, knowing that we are kept, loved, and called. That in the face of uncertainty, in the face of doubt, in the face of um, others coming against our, our faith or coming against Christ, that we know that we're called, we're loved, we're kept. That we can do hard things, we can do scary things in our lives. We can love people who hate us. We can move towards those who are far away from God because we know these truths. But for many of us, we respond in either fighting or bickering or we just freeze. And we're locked up in fear, not knowing what next step to do, not knowing where to go next. For me, I experienced this in a real way and 2017, I was actually leading a mission trip in Alaska with a student group and was co-leading that trip. And it was July, so it was, the sun was bright all the time. We worked all day and did uh, a soccer camp at not at the, in the evening time, but then we'd eat dinner and we would go hiking with all these teenagers because that's what they wanted to do. The sun was up constant. And so we, we'd hike until two o'clock in the morning every day. And there's this hike in Anchorage that it's called Flat Top and 
you hike up this mountain. It's only about a two-mile hike. It's pretty easy until it lasts about 40 yards where you have to kind of free climb. Uh, pretty okay as long as you have somewhat athletic ability. It's kind of safe. And I didn't pack hiking shoes at all. Like I just had tennis shoes on and about half of our group said, let's go up the rest. Let's get to the actual flat top. So we go up and hiking, man, it's beautiful. You see the skyline of Anchorage, Alaska, the ocean, and you're sitting up there and it's like, you're con- you're, as you're climbing, it's getting colder and colder and colder because you're getting higher and higher. And we're at the top of this mountain. There's only like four of us in our group left, like me as the adult, you know, as a young 20 year old, something like that. But and these other juniors and seniors in high school, and like, hey, we got to go back down the mountain. There's three of us guys, and there was one girl on the trip uh, that was in our little group that was at the top, and everybody else was headed back to the van, like, hey, we got to get down this mountain. We got to go. So I start, I'm kind of leading the pack, and I start climbing down this mountain, and these rocks start sliding out from under me. I was like, ooh, this is, this is a little bit harder going down. And we're about 10 feet into this descent, and all I hear behind me is what sounds like somebody hyperventilating, <gasps> just hyperventilating, just froze on the side of this mountain. Arms locked, legs locked, just like, I'm not going anywhere. And she's just breathing in, breathing out, hyperventilating. I say, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And I get up beside her, I climb, and I was like, you can do this. We're not gonna let you fall. I can't, I can't. And in me, in my mind, as a young minister thinking, either she's gonna push me off this mountain and I'm gonna die, or she's gonna get hurt and I just won't have a job anymore. Like, I just have to go find something else to do. But in whatever, whatever buried dad voice I had within me, I said, you can do this listen. I kind of instructed one of the boys to get in front and said, you're going to follow every step he makes. When he takes it, you take it. I'm going to walk beside you and the other one's going to walk on the other side of you. And we're going to make sure that you make it down this mountain. One step at a time, one moment at a time, you got this. And the whole way down this just short 40 yard descent that felt like an eternity. She says with every step, I can't, I can't. And I was in her ear, one more step, we got you. One more step, we got you. Follower of Jesus, know who you are as that who is called by God, loved in the Father, and kept from stumbling by none other than the one who left heaven, came to earth, laid down his life on your behalf, so that you could experience his love in full. And then he ascended back to the Father to send the helper, the promised one who would never leave. So whenever life gets tough, whenever life gets scary, when it feels burden filled, one more step, I got you. That's not the voice of Daniel. That's the voice of none other than the Holy Spirit. So the question is this morning is how do we respond to this closing of Jude? Or we respond with with worship. 
And I don't mean singing, I mean with our lives in, in a reflective way, I wanna ask you that, how is God leading you to respond? So if you would, would you get in a, a prayer posture that if you're new here at Journey, we like to end every one of our services in this posture just before the Spirit of God, just asking to apply these truths to our hearts and how we're called to live in a different way. For some of you that you wanna pray with someone and we would love to encourage you to do that, there's, there's gonna be some prayer team members on the sides down here at the front that if you wanna pray with someone that come and do that. Don't, don't not do that. I just genuinely believe that some of us today that maybe your response to the Spirit of God and the Word of God is to, to come to know Christ for the very first time, to begin a relationship with Him, that you've known a lot about Him, but you've, you've never genuinely made Jesus the leader of your life and forgiver of your sins, that you've never began that relationship, that you can you can do that today by simply just asking him to, to save you, to praying in your own words, admitting that you're a sinner and you're in desperate need of a savior and he is that only savior. And you wanna start a relationship with him today. Others of us need to respond in thankfulness to, to who he is and how he works. Thank you, Jesus, that you are on guard of me. Thank you, Jesus, that you see everything through that you start. Thank you, Jesus, for calling, for loving, and for keeping me. And others of you, some, maybe all of us need to pray for the courage to walk. That we've been stuck on the side of a mountain for fear for a long time, but we just need the courage to walk knowing that we have one keeping us from stumbling and being lost forever. reflection question this week that I want wrestling in your mind is where do you need to be reminded more of his grace that's keeping you to stand because in every area of your life his grace is keeping you standing but where do you need to be more reminded of that this week if you have a prayer request that you would love for us to pray about we'd love for you to write that down on a connection card and, and turn that in so we can join you in, in praying with you. As we wind down our service, I'm gonna pray over our body and, and then we'll be dismissed. Holy Spirit, we are thankful for your word as it never returns void. We are thankful that you are the one at work in this room, in our lives. You're the one guiding us, directing us, strengthening and encouraging us as we are kept by Him and for Him. Holy Spirit, would you continue to work that at the close of this service, we know that you're not done, you're never done. 
Would you give us the courage to walk this week? Would you give us the courage to, to share our story of how Jesus has saved and redeemed us this week with somebody? Jesus, would you give us more of a reminding as Jude constantly says, to be reminded about how you're the one constantly keeping us standing. We ask all these things in the holy, precious name of Christ. Amen.